Well, good morning and welcome to Connection Church Savannah Online. I'm so glad you guys have decided to, to tune in and watch with us and to uh, just to be here with us today as we jump back into our witness series. Um, if, if it's your first time here, man, I would I would encourage you to look down into the comments or, or in the uh, subject of this post and, and check out our uh, first time guest uh, link. Uh, we, we can give you some more information about our church, what God's doing through our body, and where we're where we're headed as a church. And so, um, I'm just I'm, we're so thankful for this technology that we have that allows us to still meet together as a body, as a church, um, from our living rooms. We know that um, just because we're not meeting in a building doesn't mean we're not the church anymore. We're the church, but the church is meeting in homes, and it's and it's beautiful because it brings us back to Acts, and we're able to but we're still able to worship together. We're still able to to come together and dig into the Word of God together to pray together um, from our homes, from um, over technology. And while, uh, you know, we're thankful for the use of technology, I mean, I'll tell you, over the last couple of weeks, um, we've been able to meet remotely, but not physically, be together. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's it's really wearing on me a little bit. It's it's really wearing on me. This is the sixth week that we've had to meet online um, as a church, and we haven't physically met as a body. And I really... Really, just want to give you guys some hugs, some high fives, some some handshakes, or something. I just feel so distant from you guys, and I can't wait for the day to come whenever we're able to get back together as a body and to celebrate what God's done and what He's doing through His church. And so, um, last week, if you were here, and, and over the past few weeks, uh, I've said over and over and over again over the last few weeks that our circumstances may be different right now, but our calling is not. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today in, in Acts chapter 18. Um, because as a church, we're still called to make disciples. We're, it may look different, but our calling is the same. We're still called to, to be the light of the world, to, be, to encourage those who are suffering or are going through um, panic or anxiety. We're, you know, we, we've just come out of a series called Faith Over Fear, and the focus of that was for us to, to understand that, that many people may claim to have faith until they're gripped by fear. Faith and fear are hard to live in in the, in the same vein. And we have a choice when, when we're faced with crisis or pandemics or persecutions to trust God, to take him at his word, to follow him, no matter the cost, or to shrink back in fear and anxiety. And, and last week on Easter, we looked back at the life of Peter, if you remember, and, and, and how his initial response to the, to the arrest and the, and the crucifixion of Jesus was debilitating fear. And he, and he even denied Christ three times, it says in Scripture. But after the, after the resurrection, we see Peter's life defined by this supernatural, self-denying boldness that, that should also identify every believer in Christ. Every follower of Christ should be identified by this supernatural, otherworldly, self-denying boldness that the Holy Spirit gives us as followers of Him. And so as we've been walking through these uncertain times lately, I have been, I've become more and more convinced in my life, in my family's life, in my connect group's life, that I believe God is calling His people back to himself. I feel like God is trying to wake us up, to, to show us his will, to show us where he's leading us and guiding us and, and waking, waking us up to who he is, what he's done, and where he's calling us. And my question for you today is, are we listening? Are you listening to him as he's leading us back to himself? Are you listening to him as he's, as he's shouting to us, it seems like, through the things that are going on in our culture? And I really believe that God is calling us to repent to, of our wondering and our sin and, and to turn our hearts 
fully towards him and trusting in him and what he's calling us to do because God is moving in the midst of all of these things that are going on in our culture. I know this because if you look in scripture, he, he said that he would always be with us in Matthew 28. Do you believe that? And then again in John chapter 5, he said he is always at work. Do you believe that? So if he's always with you and always at work, that means we can trust him. So uh, just think about this. Think about this for a second. What if, what if, this is a big what if, what if God in his great love was attacking the foundations of the idols that we've built up in our lives that will eventually crumble anyway to move us closer to his heart and to his will? What if he was doing that? Because I believe with all my heart that's what he's doing in this season. And this is my advice for you as, a, as, our, as our church or whoever, whoever may be listening. My advice to you is don't miss it. Don't miss what God's doing in this season of attacking the, the foundations of the idols that we've set up and that are crumbling. And my heart will be that we would go to Jesus in times of uncertainties, in times of trials, in times of crises. Because very, 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 very few times do we have moments like this to refocus our minds, to regain our perspective and get, a, and get realigned with where God intended his body, his church to be. And that's exactly where we're going to be today. We're going to jump back into our, our witness series and or we've been going um, through the book of Acts on and off for about seven months now. And, um, and so what we're doing is we're looking at how God intended his church to function at, at its inception. Whenever the church was birthed in the book of Acts, we see how God intended it to, to, to function and to, to lean into him and to depend on him for everything. And, and if you've ever been to our church before or, or talked to me or anybody on our staff for very long, you know that we believe at this church that every member of the church is a missionary. Every follower of Jesus is a missionary. If you've been saved by the God, grace of God, if you've been saved by God's grace, you've also been sent out by his mission. There's no separating those two, but for a very long time, what's happened is, is we've seen this, this trend in our culture, the, the church culture that we've been a part of for so long in America has measured its success by how many people come into the church and stay, by how many people come into the church and sit Success has been measured by attendance and, and converts. We've had 75 people become saved, and that's the end of the, of the metrics on that. And, and, but that's not biblical, is it? If you look in Scripture, that, that, that measure of success is not biblical. Guys, our, our success as a body, as a church, is determined by how many people come in and then go. How many people come into the doors, come into our body, because true success is measured, is measured by the attenders who are becoming disciple-making disciples, who are coming in, being equipped, and being sent out into the world to do the will of God in our community. Because at Connection Church, our success will always be determined by how many people we send not, my, not by how many people that we can gather on a Sunday or how many people that we can gather on a live stream. And that's, why, that's where we're going to be at today in Acts 18. Today in Acts 18, what it's going to do is it's going to raise some questions on how we can know if we're living out God's plans for our lives. 
Some of you may be sitting here today, I'm not sure what God's will is for my life. I'm not sure where I'm at with God. I'm not sure if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I've just kind of taken this life direction. I've just kind of gone with it. I've done what uh, my, my culture has told me I should do. I, I, got, I went to college. I got married. I had some kids. And I'm working. I'm about halfway through my career. Now, I, I don't know where God may have me. Am I in God's plan? I hope I am. I go to church every Sunday. I give. I, I, you know, I, I'm a part of a small group or a connect group. But what is God's plans for your life as a follower of Jesus? And this is how we can know. We can look in chapter 18 in this one section of Scripture, and it'll give us a really good answer. And, and what happens is whenever God's, whenever God's plans in your life is being fulfilled, what happens is the church is being built the way that God intended you know, we're going to see a very diverse list of individuals today who all were used to build and strengthen the church in Corinth. So let's pray together, and we're going to jump right into Acts chapter 18. We'll look at the first four verses first, and then we'll um, talk about it and move straight through it. So Father God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're done. God, we, we, we thank you that you love us, that you didn't leave us alone. God, we thank you that you made a way for us, Father, when there was no way. God, this morning I pray that your word would penetrate our hearts. God, your word would change us. Your word would convict us. Your word would give us the encouragement and the boldness that we need to walk in obedience and surrender to you. God, we want to love you. We want to follow you. We want to surrender to you, Father. We want all the days of our lives to be defined and be identified by people who followed after you, Jesus, and who obeyed every word of God. And so, Father, I pray that you would just bless the reading and the hearing of the Scripture. I pray that you would just move us into a season of effective ministry, Father, as a church. God, show us who you are this morning. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. So this morning, um, I'm not sure where you're at on your, on, in your life with the Lord or in your time in the Word, but if you've spent any time in the Bible, you, you'll recognize the city of Corinth because Paul wrote two New Testament letters to this church in Corinth. And so Acts chapter 18 is going to represent this morning the first 18 months of the Corinth church, the Corinthian church. And, and here's the main takeaway from the entire chapter. And so if you want to know what this looks like today, what are we going to be talking about? This is the main takeaway that I want you to have from today's message is that God accomplishes his plans through everyday people. God accomplishes his plans through everyday people. God has a plan, which is to make disciples. God has a plan to make disciples, to go into the entire world, make disciples and teach those and baptize those and, and teach everything that God has commanded. And his intention, the way that he's going to carry out his plan is his intention is to use everyday people to carry it out. So let's look into Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, and then we'll kind of dissect it a little bit, and then we'll, we'll go further. It says this. After we've read Acts 17, Paul, Paul's leaving Athens. He's left Athens. He comes to Corinth. And so he says, after this, he left, talking about Paul, he left Athens and went to Corinth. Corinth is about 50 miles west of Athens, and it's in, it's in Greece. And it says, where he found a, a, a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, that's in, that's in Turkey who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. So basically you're seeing that these guys were, 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 were taking or transplanting from their homes because of persecution. Paul came to them, and since they were out of the same occupation, tent makers by trade. So we see Paul, Aquila, and Priscilla are all tent makers. He stayed with them and, and worked. 
He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. And so look here. The first people that Paul meets in Corinth is Aquila and Priscilla. They've, they've literally been kicked out of their country under religious persecution, and they've arrived in Corinth as refugees. And I look at this, and, I, and, I, and I'm blown away because that is where God begins building the Corinthian church, two refugees, like two people who have been kicked out of their country. Now think about this. God's plan for Aquila and Priscilla began began <coughs> with the complete uprooting of their lives. <coughs> Excuse me. So when life totally finished and they were in survival mode in this new city, <coughs> God was beginning to use them just in the beginning where they were in survival mode and they thought life was done. They thought it was over. They thought that the government had kicked them out and they were done. God's plan had just started to begin. And that needs to encourage and challenge us today. Thank you. Excuse me, guys. I apologize. And so this is what needs to encourage and challenge us today as we go. And I need you to understand this. That our endings... Our endings in life, the things that we that come against us, the, the things in life that you feel like have just taken you off the chart, our endings are usually God's beginnings. Our endings are usually God's beginnings. God takes what life, what looks like a dead end and uses it as a beginning. I know this to be true in my life. As you're sitting at home in this season of a pandemic, of a crisis, of social distancing, of, of things that they just seem so off, off balance and off kilter, do you feel like you're in a dead-end situation? Maybe your life hasn't turned out like you expected. Maybe, maybe, that you, maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you didn't get into a school that you should, thought you should get into. Maybe you've literally been a refugee in your life. I'm not sure who may be watching around our country or our world, Maybe you're in that moment where you are a refugee. Here's the great news. And this is what makes the gospel so great. This is it. Your plan might look like a dead end, but God is just getting started with you, man. Remember, God uses everyday people with everyday problems and everyday situations to carry forward the greatest hope in the world, which is the gospel. And hear this. It's not just that he can use you. It's not just that he has the ability to, it's that he plans to use you. But the question is, are you in a space where you can hear his voice, where you can feel his leading, where you can read scripture and obey it? And that's the heart this morning as we continue. Let's look in verse five and six. It says, when Silas and Timothy arrived in Macedonia, Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. When they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his clothes and told them, your blood is on your own heads. Hardcore. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So let's break this down just a second. So Silas and Timothy are basically like Paul's interns at this point. He's, they're like the interns. Now, now, Paul, now what Paul can do is he can devote more time to evangelizing now that they have come. So he puts down the tents and begins preaching every day. It says he devoted himself to preaching he, the word of God and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. And so look at Paul's response, though, as, as he's preaching and the Jews begin to reject the gospel. What, look at his response. Your blood is on your own head. Like, that doesn't seem very compassionate to me and loving or, or, or whatever, but 
If you're thinking that Paul is lacking compassion here, remember, these are the same Jews that Paul was so passionate about seeing come to faith. Like he had a heart for these people, but he knows that all he can do is share the gospel with them. All he can do is share the message. All that he can do is share the words of Jesus with these people. Paul feels a burden that unless he shares the gospel with them, he in some way shares in their guilt and condemnation. We even see that further again in Acts 20 and two chapters over. It says, I testify that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And, and as I read that, I just hear Paul's heart as he's passionate about getting the gospel message out. And he, and he understands that it is life or death. And Paul knows that he cannot control someone's response to the gospel. But he knows that God's plan is for him to declare it still. And so my question this morning for you might be, do you carry that urgency for the gospel? Do you carry that sense of urgency to get the gospel out, that, that people's souls are at stake? So you must share the gospel with them. That, that's the heart. We must carry an urgency in taking the gospel to those who need it. Now, a person, let me tell you this. I, I share this a lot, but a, a person's response to Christ is ultimately a matter that rests in God's hands, something that you and I cannot control. But a person's hearing the gospel is a matter that we do control and a matter that we do have responsibility for. So my question for us as a church, as a body, as, as followers of Jesus is, have we become too comfortable in the world? The Bible says we've been set apart. Have we become too comfortable in this world where we're just going through life? We're doing the things that the world says we should do. We're, we're, we're working for a few years and, and gaining some retirement and then going and, and living a life that's where we're the sinner. Or have we got an urgency for the gospel to see it reach the nations? It's time for us to wake up in those moments as God has a plan and he's calling us to, to send it out into the world. Look at verse 7, 7 and 8. Says, so he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius, Justice, a worship, worshiper of God. That means he was a Christian, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, along with his whole household. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, became believers and were baptized. And so here we see more and more diversity happening in how a God is building. The church. We say this over and over again in this body that if the church is made up of all of one ethnicity, then it is outside of God's will. And it doesn't look like the kingdom of God or the communities that it's planted in. Look at this. In Titius and Crispus, we see a Gentile believer and a Jewish believer added to the church. Titius puts his neck on the line. By, by housing Paul at his house. And Crispus puts his neck on the line by becoming a believer as a synagogue ruler in, the, in that time. And so both of these guys are risking a lot. I would even go as far as to say these two guys are risking their life by following Jesus. And they were, they were risking their life. But look at the fruit of their risk. Verse 8, many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed, and were baptized. And so Listen to that for a second. This is the whole point of Acts 18 right here in one sentence. And really the whole book of Acts, God doing extraordinary things through everyday people. 
And I, I look at this and I think what God wants to show us in this chapter is regardless of your background, of, of, your, of your profession, of your past, of your history, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. And that plan always ends with people believing in the gospel and getting baptized. No matter what. Even Paul, who we often put on this pedestal, of life. We look at Paul, we're like, I can never be like that. He was an everyday guy. Look in verse 9. We're going to look at verse 9 through 11. He's an everyday guy as well. He says this, the Lord said to Paul in a, night, in, a, in a night vision, don't be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent, for I am with you. And no one will lay a hand on you or hurt you, because I have many people in this city. He stayed there a year and a half, teaching the word of God among them. So the first thing God says to Paul is what? Don't be afraid. Well, do you know why that God said that to Paul? Well, because Paul was afraid. <laughs> Paul was afraid in this moment. Even in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul reminds the Corinthians that I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Paul was afraid in this city. Paul is this everyday guy with a nine-to-five tent-making job following Jesus, and sometimes that meant that he was out of his comfort zone, and it meant that he was afraid and had to trust in the Lord. And so when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ, there are no extraordinary people, just everyday people that God does extraordinary things through. And so the most important thing that we have to see in verses 9 through 11 here is something <clears throat> that we will circle back around to in a moment is how God speaks to Paul. He gives him two promises and a command, and they're all for you and me as well. And so what this entire chapter is pointing us to is very simply that God accomplishes his plans through normal people. His plans go make disciples. His tools are you and me. And so people with pretty stable paths, career paths, and then people whose lives have been totally flipped upside down like Aquila and Priscilla, all with one thing in common. They chose to live out God's plans for their lives, trading their plans for God's plans, trading their dreams, their goals, their ideas for God's plans and God's ideas and God's goals. And so here's the question you should be leaving here today with as you get up off your couch or go home or wherever you may be at and discuss, your, discuss with your spouse or, or connect group during your Zoom calls this week is this. Whose plans are guiding your life? Whose plans are guiding your decisions? Whose plans are guiding or influencing your relationships? Because here's what I know. Someone's plan is, the question is, which one? Is it God's or is it yours? And so before we go, I want to look at three quick things, three signs that are going to help you evaluate whether or not you are, are, are God's, is God's plan or is it your plan? And so the three signs, the first thing, the first sign in your life you can look at, if, if, are you living out God's plan for your life or are you living your own? Number one, is it, one of the first signs is that you're investing your life into others, not into yourself. You're investing your life into other people, not into yourself. Listen, we see in the first part of Acts 18, Paul moves into a in with Aquila and Priscilla. He works with them, and, and we know from the other places in Scripture that he develops this deep relationship with them, and that, that's, why it take, that's why he takes them to, uh, to Ephesus when he, when he leaves in verse 18. And by the time he writes this first letter to the Corinthian church, Aquila and Priscilla are leading a house church in their home, and he mentions them three other times in Scriptures in other letters. 
And then, this is what I love. And then we see Aquila and Priscilla turn around and invest their life into another guy named Apollos who shows up at the end of this chapter. So Apollos, what he was doing, a short story, he was preaching about Jesus, but he didn't have the whole gospel. He, so, he, so it says that Aquila and Priscilla later in this chapter explain the things of God more accurately to him. So we don't know if that was one conversation. We don't know if that was a month-long conversation or, or a year. We don't know. But they took their time away from their tent-making business to pass on to this guy what they had learned from Paul. And so what I love about this is that's a sacrifice, man. If you don't build tents, you don't get paid right? If you don't work, you don't get paid. That's a sacrifice. But God had put someone in front of them. And because God's plan was driving their decision making, they moved. God's plan was driving everything that they were doing. So God's plan was make disciples of all nations. So that's what they went to do. The tent making didn't matter as much as the person in front of them. And remember that one little thing about, about Timothy being the intern in verse five. Remember that thing? Timothy was watching Paul pass on to Aquila and Priscilla, who passed on to Apollos. And sometime later, Timothy gets this letter from Paul, which we know as 2 Timothy in the Bible. And in, verse chapter, in chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says to Timothy, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So it's basically, Timothy... What you saw me doing, what you saw us doing, go do it. And guys, that's the plan. That is the plan. Give your life to teaching people who will teach others, who will teach other people. Make disciples who are making disciples. That's the plan. And we want to be a church that creates disciple-making disciples. And so my question for you this morning with this is who are you passing your faith on to? Who are you passing your faith on to? My, my heart is that you would understand that this is why... We put so much emphasis on next steps. And here are some obvious ones. Get in a connect group because we believe a connection that the community is where real life change happens. We believe that life is better together. We believe that you can push one another along that path of faith doing life with one another. Another thing, come invest in the next generation that are coming up behind us. Serve in KK. Serve in Connection Kids. Serving and connection students. Guys, we need adults that will spend their life in the formative years of these kids and teenagers walking alongside of them, passing along what God has taught me and you. Parents, let me ask you this. Parents, what plan are you living for? Are you living for your own? Are you living for God's plan? Parents, are you, are you leading your home through the plans of God or are there other plans that are leading your way? You want to know which ones you're doing? Ask your kids. Ask your kids, what are the most important things in our family? And then take a deep breath and listen. Guys, this is discipleship. Follow Jesus and take someone with you. That's it. And so that's the heart behind what we see in this chapter. The second sign, the second sign to know whether you're living for Jesus or for God's plan or for your own plans is your security is found in Jesus, not in your plans. Your security is found in Jesus, not in your plans. Look in verse 9 and 10. God gives Paul two promises. The first one is his presence. My presence will be with you. I will be with you. The second is Paul's security. He said, I am with you. That's his presence. 
And he said, no one will harm you. That's his security. So Paul had God's presence and God's security. And here's the cool part, guys. And you need to hear this. In the gospel, you and I have the same promises that God gave Paul. Yet you have his presence. Jesus promised in Matthew 28 to always be with you. The Holy Spirit is given to every believer. Jesus says he will be with you and in you, and you have security. So you have his presence and you have his security. Ephesians 1 tells us that when you believe in the gospel, that you are sealed with Christ until he comes back. And then Paul, if you want to look deeper into this, Paul, who is hearing these promises right now in Acts 18, will later turn around in in Romans chapter 8 and says this to the Romans, what can separate us from the love of Christ? For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a beautiful promise for us. It's like Paul is remembering that moment in Corinth where God spoke to him and he's writing this promise to the Roman believers. He's passing on to them what God gave to him. And so maybe you're watching today and you know as I'm talking that you've been searching after that type of security, but you've been running from his presence. The security you need can only be found in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you today, I, this reminds me of a story. Uh, when I was a child, there were, I, had a, I had a neighbor that had this huge German shepherd dog, and he terrified me, man. He bit me like three times as a child. And so um, there's this one day I remember walking down the street with my dad, and there was this, we had this patch of, of pine trees near my home, and we're walking down this road, and I see the dog coming uh, from the neighbor's yard because he hated me. He wanted to bite me. And so my dad was right next to me. And so I took off running away from the dog, trying to get to those trees. Maybe I could climb a tree. Maybe I could hide behind it, whatever. My dad was saying, come to me. I can protect you. I can make sure the dog doesn't bite you or hurt you. But I was running away from him. So what happens whenever we're in a moment of trial and crisis and these things, God is saying, come to me. Run to me. Come into my presence. Lean in on me. Don't run away. But so many times we run away from his presence thinking we're going to find security in something else besides Jesus. But when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, the life, whatever Jesus says, our comfort is found in him. We're supposed to run to him for our joy, for our freedom, for our victory, for our comfort. Guys, listen. Jesus separated himself from the Father so that we would never have to be separated from God again. That's a beautiful truth that's found in the gospel. And that's what God is reminding Paul about here in Acts chapter 18. And it's what we need to hear today as well. And the last sign, before we get the last sign that shows you what plan that you're living for, is the third thing is that you're risking enough to need God's help. You're risking enough in your life to need God's help. Those two promises, his presence, his security are attached to something, aren't they? If you look throughout Scripture, most of us you know, know that it's attached to, to, to following Jesus, to being active in our faith. But most of us just want those two promises that God is with us and he'll protect us, right? I just want to know that he's with me and he's going to protect me if I need him. He's kind of over there as my good luck charm, or my protector if I need something. But God never gives us his presence and security without also calling us into action, guys. We want him to say, Michael, I'm with you. Nobody's going to harm you. Now go do what you want. Right? That's what we want him to say. 
But that's not whatever what he says in Scripture. Listen, God never gives us his presence and security without calling us into action. He said to Paul, go on speaking. The next little word is amazing. For, for I'm with you. Go do this because I'm with you. And the reason why he was with Paul and no one would harm Paul in Corinth was because Paul was doing the plans of God because God had a plan for Paul and Paul was deeply invested in those plans because God's provision for Paul was directly attached to God's plans for Paul. Does that make sense? The provision is always attached to the plan in your life. So here's the question. Is your commitment to the gospel causing you to risk anything in your life? I'm not saying you have to become a martyr or you have to make um, just unwise decisions, but what I am telling you is that God always calls his people to circumstances that require them to trust him. So can you point to anywhere in your life where it's going to take God's help to accomplish his plans for your life? Where are you putting yourself out there? Where are you trusting him this morning? If you can't point to those places, you know, I want you to understand you may just be living your plan with a religious candy coating on top. And many people are. Listen, religion has many people to see today. And that's why the Bible says the gate to, to heaven, the gate to God is narrow. And it says few people find it. Guys, that one verse in Scripture should, should drive us to Scripture. That, that one verse should drive us to a fear of God. To, to I need to make it assuring. I need to make it a sure thing that I am going to see Jesus one day. I need to make it a sure thing that I am following him. I need that assurance of my salvation. I need to know that I am, I am his. And I'm not just using my plans as a religious covering in this world. And so are you in a place this morning, as we close, are you in a place this morning where you're saying, God, this is what you called me to, so I'm stepping out. But I don't see any way this is going to happen unless you provide. Is there anywhere in your life that that's happening? Because God, that scares me, but I'm trusting you and I'm willing to put myself out there because your plan is now my plan because I'm following you. I don't know what it means, and that scares me, God, but I'm all in. Guys, listen, if you're claiming to be a Christ follower and aren't living your life in that type of statement, then there's some reasons to question where you're at in your faith. There, there are people groups around the world who have never heard the name of Jesus, and God's plan is to reach them. In Paul's day and in our day, the gospel always moves forward through everyday people first. And then pastors and church leaders come in to help build the church. Is God calling you to be a part of his plan somewhere, man? I, we talk about this all the time in scripture. Is he calling you to, to another city with a church planning team? Is he calling you to another country to live there, to take your job, to transfer your job, to go to these places, to, to, to see where the gospel is not currently being proclaimed and be the hands and feet of Jesus? Is that where he's calling you? Or are you scared to ask those questions? I heard, I heard a, a conversation this week of someone saying, I, ne I will never ask God to show me his plan. I will never ask God to use me because I'm scared of what he'll do. I'm scared of where he'll lead me. That's a terrifying thing to say. 
Guys, listen, it's okay to be afraid because Paul was. And when Paul was afraid, when Paul was stepping out, when Paul was in the moment where he's following Jesus, he, he would have the assurance of God's presence and God's security. So remember that, that Jesus is with you and that we have security in Christ. And no matter where you're at today or no matter how old you may be, de- may be today, I believe that the greatest days in your faith are always ahead, not behind you. You're not out of the game, man. Those who've been redeemed by Christ are never done trusting in him for what's next. Retirement is not a thing in the kingdom. Here's the, here's the promise. When you're living for his plans, you will experience his presence and his security. And so this morning, I want to talk to you, believer, the person who says, hey, I'm a Christian. Have you been living your life for God's plans or for your plans? Or have you been living your life for your plans and putting a religious candy coating on top to make everyone else in the church think that you're living for God? God's plans are going to stretch you. God's plans are going to scare you. But his presence and his security far outweigh those fears. Guys, this morning, you may be in a place where you know that you're not a believer. You know that you haven't given your life to Christ. This morning, I want to tell you that this is the best decision that you will ever make. It is the best decision that you can ever make in your life to say no to self, to deny yourself, and to come alive in Christ, to die to yourself, and to come alive in Jesus, to say yes to the gospel, to say, yes, I believe that, but not only do I believe that, I'm going to live like I believe that. And this morning, the Bible tells you constantly that, that, that God made him, Jesus, who, who knew no sin, to become sin. So not only did we put our sin on him, he became sin. He became sin in our place so that God could put him on a cross to die in my place because I was a sinner and I needed salvation. And so because of that, it says in John 3, 16, that if I just believe in him, that I'll have eternal life. But the words of belief in scripture means I cling to him. I put my weight on him. I put the full weight of my life and trust on him. And so this morning, if you've never put the the full weight of your trust, the full weight of your obedience in Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity because there's a father that loves you. There's a son that loves you. There's a Holy Spirit that is calling your name and wants you to turn your life over to him. And this morning, if you know that that's you, Lord, at this church, we call people to raise their hands to, to declare their faith in Jesus after services and after we give the gospel. Well, I just want to encourage you, if you know this morning that in your living room, in your vehicle, in the, wherever you may be at work, I don't care where you're at, but you know that God is calling your name. You know that God is calling you out. I just want you to say... Second Corinthians 5.17 says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so that's what, that's what Jesus is offering today, a life that is lived in God's presence and within his security. And this morning, if you made that decision, I just want to celebrate with you. Believer in Christ, Christian, if you're turning 
away from your sin of laziness and of, and of seeking your own plans over God's, I want to celebrate that with you today. Put that into the comments. Say, today I'm turning my life back towards Jesus. I'm going to start living for his plans. And we want to celebrate that with you. We want to walk alongside of you in those moments because we know that if you're living for Christ, our best days are always ahead and the best is yet to come. And so let's pray together. I want to pray for you as we go. Um, and so, Father God, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for those who made decisions today. We thank you for those who have gone from death to life in Jesus today. God, we thank you for the believers today who are turning their hearts and their lives and their vision back to you. God, I pray that you would put us on your mission, God, that we would be, we would be defined, we would be described as people who are sold out and surrendered to you, God, holding nothing back depending on your presence, depending on your security, because that's the only thing that is sure in this world. God, begin to, to peel back the layers of our hearts to be able to see you. Give us spiritual, spiritual eyes to see, a spiritual heart to feel. God, to discern your presence. Lord, I pray that you would draw us together as a church like never before. Lord, raise us up, equip us, and send us out. Lord, we want to be like you. We love you so much, Father. In your name I pray, amen. So guys, thank you for joining us. If you made a decision today, don't forget to put that in the comments. I personally would like to reach out to you and love on you a little bit and just, just tell you how proud of I am of you. Um, if, and next week, we'll be here at the same time, same place at 1030. Um, invite some friends. We'll be on week 19 of, of our witness series. Um, and we look forward to seeing you there. Have a great day.